Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on this episode of the Box of Oddities, some say this is the most haunted location in the United States. And he doesn't know who to call because he doesn't know who he is. The Box of Oddities. If it's mysterious, we talk about it. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. So are you hearing voices? <laughs> we got a slew of emails. Here's an example of one from uh, Shannon. She wrote, anyone else hearing people speaking in the background of this episode of the Box of Oddities about 35 minutes in? I cleared all my open apps and restarted Patreon, but I still hear it. We got this message from Tony. I'm listening to episode 550, and during Jethro's story, I can hear Duolingo playing in the background. (laughs) And I don't have Duolingo on my phone. I'm assuming Kat's distracted. (laughs) Love you guys. Wait, I, you shouldn't have said that. I was going to try to convince people that it was th- those were EVPs, <laughs> <laughs> that a disembodied earthbound spirit was uh, somehow trying to communicate their displeasure with yeah. us. Um, well, it, the thing is, I did get, yes, I got a push notification on my phone from Duolingo um, because I got 10 perfect lessons in a row and they sent me a message <laughs> mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah. you should get your new badge. And uh-huh. yeah. So I opened it up because I wanted to get my new badge. The thing is, you had your phone silenced, but earlier in that episode, you had played some audio mm. off of your phone. Yeah. We had it Bluetoothed through our mixing board. And, and since we don't wear headphones right. while we record because right. we're looking at each other. It's more natural that way. It, uh... It snuck through. It did. Mm, That part did. There was much more that I was able to edit out. But yeah, it was Duolingo. I am on a 40-day streak, y'all. I am really taking this seriously, and I apologize if that kind Uh, of... uh, Well, you know, we only have three weeks before we land in South America, so (laughs) get busy, girl. Well, I've got a a good old-fashioned ghost story for you today. Excellent. Do they speak Spanish? Uh, No, probably French, because this happened in, or is happening in, uh, St. Francisville, Louisiana. Happening currently? 
Yeah, and has been for about 225 years. All right, hold on. All right. Okay, I'm ready. Silence your phone, please. Nestled within the quaint tranquility of St. Francisville is the grandiose Myrtle's Plantation. Now, it has a very unsettling past, and as I mentioned, it's nearly two and a quarter centuries old. It's full of countless tales of tragic events and unexplained phenomena that uh, have led many to believe that it is one of the most haunted locations in the United States. Oh, all right. We're going to delve into the rich history, all of the, uh, the tales that have been whispered of over the centuries, the recorded experiences, all that lead to, I believe anyway, credibility to such claims. Mm-hmm. So it was built in 1796 by General David Bradford. The Myrtle's Plantation originally was known as Laurel Grove. Many tragedies have happened over the past I assume with the word plantation in the name, yeah. It would be haunted, yeah. Mm. The first recorded tragedy happened when uh, Bradford's son-in-law, Clark Woodruff, and his children succumbed to yellow fever. This was in the 1820s. Woodruff's wife, Sarah, also tragically died in childbirth just a a few years earlier. Uh, These deaths are believed to be the initial seeds of what later has been perceived as hauntings. Mm. Deeply rooted in the folklore of Myrtle's plantation is the tragic figure of Chloe, who was an enslaved person and endured immense injustices, uh, only to become one of the property's most pervasive ghosts. Seems fair. Chloe's tale is not just a story of personal torment, but it's also a, a disturbing reminder of the harsh realities of the time when a value of a person was gauged by the color of their skin. The events that unfolded for Chloe began when her relationship with Woodruff. Woodruff reportedly forced Chloe into non-consensual relations, um, exploiting her vulnerability as an enslaved person. This form of sexual exploitation was really it was a harsh reality. For many, it was very common, yeah. Enslaved women during this era. Chloe's woes deepened when she was caught eavesdropping on one of Woodruff's conversations. Now, she did this out of her need to remain informed, and therefore she would be more valuable in her mind to Woodruff. As punishment, Woodruff ordered the amputation of her ear. Oh. Had her ear cut off. It was a permanent mark of her alleged transgression. And this violent act would forever change the course of Chloe's life, forcing her to, uh, well, she wore a green turban the rest of her life to hide the disfigurement and uh, the shame that she felt Mm. that she carried. Now, she was really disturbed by her diminishing status and fear of further punishment. So she came up with an idea to regain Woodruff's favor. What she did was she poisoned a birthday cake with oleander leaves. And the idea was she was going to just make the family mildly ill so she could nurse them back to health and prove her worth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Chloe's scheme led to an unforeseen catastrophe. The dose was lethal. And two of Woodruff's children and Woodruff's second wife fell victim to poisoning. Chloe's plan to redeem herself ended up sealing her fate. She actually ended up unintentionally killing three people. In the aftermath, the other enslaved people on the plantation feared Woodruff's wrath. Right. 
And so they hanged Chloe and threw her body in the Mississippi River. I mean, wouldn't it have been better just to like bake him a cake? (laughs) From that moment on, her spirit is said to have been trapped within the plantation, eternally bound to the site of her torment and her ultimate demise. Now, you can visit the Myrtles Plantation, and people who do have reported numerous encounters with Chloe's ghost. She's frequently spotted wearing her green turban and wandering around aimlessly at the plantation and on the plantation grounds. Mm. She's seen peering into windows of the mansion, just an ob- a silent observer of the world that she once knew. In addition, the site of Chloe's alleged hanging has been a hotbed of paranormal activity. Visitors report an eerie stillness in the area, accompanied by a sudden drop in temperature and the unshakable feeling of being watched. There have been several photographs taken near this site that do show a woman in a green turban. And some of them were published in National Geographic Explorer, not just like, you know, the Inquirer. Wow. Over the years, visitors and residents of Myrtle Plantation have reported a multitude of paranormal experiences. Of course, the most frequently reported is the sighting of Chloe herself. But another commonly reported figure is a little girl, and she's believed to be one of Woodruff's poisoned daughters. She's often been seen in a mirror in the room where she died. It's an antique item known as the haunted mirror. It's been there in the mansion since the day she passed away. This mirror supposedly holds the spirits of the deceased children and their mother with numerous visitors, many visitors over the years reporting seeing ghostly figures and handprints appearing on the surface of the mirror. Perhaps one of the most compelling accounts is that of a previous owner, Marjorie Munson, This was in much, much later years. She often reported encountering various spirits during her time at the mansion, but one encounter stood out for her. One evening, Marjorie was ascending the stairs in the plantation, one of those beautiful sweeping staircases that you see pictures of, Mm. and she noticed a strange chilling draft and almost as if she could feel the barometric pressure dropping. It was noticeable on on a physiological level. Plus, she felt this haunting feeling that she was being watched or followed. She quickly turned around and she came face to face with a woman dressed in antebellum clothing. The woman simply stood there and smiled, but then vanished into thin air. You know, it's funny if I ran into a ghost, if I ran into two ghosts individually Mm -hmm. and one was just kind of standing there even like scowling angrily at me sure and then i saw another one smiling at me i'd be more afraid of the one smiling at me. oh yeah absolutely what are you up to speaking of which we still haven't watched the movie smile and i've heard interesting reviews of it and i think we should watch it all right let's check it out um if you've watched it by the way Please let us know if you've enjoyed it. I mentioned National Geographic Explorer. In 1992, the allure of the plantation's paranormal reputation attracted the interest of National Geographic, who conducted a televised investigation. During their visit, a photograph was taken, which captured what appears to be the specter of Chloe near the house. Although the skeptics question its authenticity, the image has nonetheless become one of the most famous pieces of evidence of the plantation's hauntings. And again, not the Inquirer, National Geographic Explorer. Do you have that picture? I do. There you go. Oh, okay. I see. And when you zoom in on it, 
she is translucent. I can see the slats in the building behind her. Mm. And this is what the National Geographic published? That's my understanding, yes. Okay. Wow. Uh... Several guests have reported waking up to the sound of a piano, a phantom piano playing a soft, sad melody that seems to come from nowhere and everywhere at the same time. Is it being haunted by Billy Joel? I know I am. What a nightmare. If I hear Piano Man one more time, I'm going to start swinging the axe. Some people believe the sound is the ghost of a former resident, Cornelia Woodruff, who is known for her musical abilities. Okay. And the piano that is in the uh, plantation is the original piano, but that's not where the music is coming from. It seems to come from nowhere and everywhere. From the ether? From the ether, if you will. Interesting. Others report seeing the piano playing itself during daylight hours. Oof. So is the Myrtle Plantation a portal to the afterlife, or is it simply a beautifully preserved piece of history? It's tragedies continuing to echo down through the generations, and that ignites our imaginations, mm. maybe. The accounts and experiences are indeed many, and they are very consistent, and many visitors leave convinced that the property is, in fact, haunted. And not just a little bit, but a lot. Whether or not the paranormal activities at Myrtle's Plantation are real is perhaps, well, not as important as the stories themselves. These tales have been passed down through generations. They've helped shape the plantation's identity and made it a unique destination for people who are looking for a brush with the unknown. As much as the place is an architectural gem, it's also a stage for countless narratives of the past that refuse to be forgotten. Now, regardless of one's belief in the paranormal, mm. the Myrtle's plantation is undeniably a place that carries with it an uncanny mixture of beauty and dread of life and death. And in the end, the essence of any haunting lies not in the ghosts themselves, but in the living who perceive them. The Myrtle's plantation has a very unsettling past and compelling encounters that leave every visitor that goes there with an experience to remember and sometimes a story to tell as the alleged hauntings of the mansion continue to this day. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. You know, we use the word haunting in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. not just referring to the paranormal right. and the history of that place is... Haunting. It's the difference between being haunted and haunting. And looking at that picture that's allegedly of Chloe, it reminds me of the description of shadow people mm. from our last episode and how maybe that's all kind of tied together somehow. My source information, Ghosts of the Myrtle Plantation by M. Compte. The Myrtle's Plantation, the story of America's most haunted house by C. Korsky. The Myrtle's Plantation website. National Geographic Explorer, A Mysterious America by B. Radford, The Myrtle's Plantation. Oh, we're going, girl. Speaking of the shadow people situation, mm. we've talked about this uh, over the last couple of days. I have been having a ton of nightmares lately, and I have to believe that it's somehow tied in with my stress level and also the fact that I've been really sick. Right. And you seem to think that I'm being haunted again. Mm -hmm. But um, I did have kind of a weird shadow person moment a couple of nights ago. I woke up from a nightmare and I could see fingers coming out from my bathroom door. Around the door around frame. Around the door frame. Mm -hmm. And I kind of 
tried to blink them away, but they just moved around the door frame. And I was like, oh, I see how this is. <laughs> okay. Uh, I can definitely see how someone might perceive that and think, I'm being haunted. Sure. And again, that ties in with the whole shadow people thing, like you were you were alluding to. Yeah. It happened to you when you were in that state between dreaming and, and right. wakefulness, the alpha state. And uh, that seems to be a time when uh, when it happens a lot. So could it be our imagination or is it just the alpha state uh, allows us to be more perceptive? Oh, I see what you're doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sweet dream, sweetie. Nice. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer and now that thing in the middle 
In the rugged and secluded corners of our planet, where time weaves its intricate tapestry, ancient beings quietly stand as witnesses to centuries gone by. From towering redwoods to majestic oaks, these trees have stories etched into their bark, secrets whispered through their branches. But hidden within the wilderness of California resides one tree that defies the very concept of age. Its gnarled trunk tells tales that predate the written word, and its branches reach out like ancient arms, embracing the skies above. Deep in the White Mountains, this marvel of nature, known as Methuselah, stands tall, untouched by the passage of millennia. It has stood tall and unyielding as wars raged, kings were crowned, and the stars themselves seemed to shift overhead. You see, Methuselah is no ordinary tree. It is the oldest known living organism on Earth, a true testament to the resilience and endurance of nature. Its age surpasses the greatest works of man, stretching back an astounding 4,800 years. Methuselah remains standing tall in its quiet sanctuary, an ancient sentinel guarding the secrets of time. As we gaze upon it, we feel humbled by its presence, grateful for the chance to bear witness to the magnificence of Earth's oldest living organism. We got a message from Shelby. Hello. First, I want to say I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time at work, and I have been for years. You guys are the best. Thanks, Shelby. So the other day, I was listening to Box 550 when you guys were talking about shadow people, and I realized I have been seeing this my whole life. Oh, my God. But I never had a name for them. They really do just look like the shadow of a person in the dark. I'm not kidding. As a kid, it really freaked me out. Most nights I ended up sleeping on the floor of my parents' bedroom until I was in middle school. Kind of embarrassed about it now. My mom still tells the story about how I fell asleep on their floor when I was 10, and she woke up to me saying, Who are you? Why are you staring at me? Oh, no. That's every parent's nightmare. Right? She got really scared and jumped out of bed, but when she turned on the lights, there was no one there. Fast forward to now, and my husband has become indifferent to it. He calls them my sleep paralysis demons. Uh I wake up a couple times a month with the feeling that someone is watching me, or every once in a while, it feels like they've gotten close enough to touch me. It feels tingly and almost difficult to move. And that's usually when I tell them to get lost. My husband usually asks me about them the next day and gives them names like Roku or Clint Eastwood. (laughs) 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 So anyway, that's my story. I never would have known that other people have experienced this too if I hadn't listened to your podcast. Thank you. I feel a little less crazy. Keep flying that freak flag and have a great day. I want to hear more details on this. Thank you so much, Shelby. That sounds terrifying. It remind I just that jogged something in my memory just now. When I was four years old, I remember this now. I was sleeping in my bedroom, and it's not a shadow person thing, but it kind of goes hand in hand with maybe that sleep paralysis or alpha state visions. Mm. I woke up and I could see these red dots, not just a few, but like maybe like a hundred of them, very, very tiny. Mm. And they were swarming around the bedroom and they landed on my leg 
and I could feel pain. What? And I jumped out of bed and I ran into my parents' room and my mom said, yeah, your eyes are just tired. No sympathy at all. Well, I mean. I was four. Right. Yeah. My friend Keegan has sleep paralysis Mm -hmm. and uh, she's told me a few things about her experiences and it sounds a fucking awful. Yeah. I did have one instance where I woke up and I couldn't move, but it, I, I wasn't seeing or hearing anything. I just woke up and I couldn't move for maybe, I don't know, five seconds or something. So it's a very real thing. No, thank you. Michael sent us an email. I couldn't help but laugh when Kat was raging about Ben Stone from Manifest and said she hopes they kill him off. Josh Dallas I guess that's the guy who that's the guy who plays Ben Stone mm-hmm. is the stepson of one of my bosses. I haven't talked to him, my boss since he retired a few years ago, but my only thought was, I hope he listens to the box of oddities. No. <laughs> yeah, nothing against Josh Dallas. That's we got another message stating that they also hated Ben Stone in another show that he was in, and they think it's just the actor. And I have to disagree. Mm. I think it's the writing yeah. that makes him just insufferable. <laughs> yeah, and and to that point, I've been complaining about how much Cat will interrupt. She'll grab the remote and she'll stop it and then like rage for two minutes. And this goes on and on and on. So last night... I have to... Uh, for In my defense, this is not something that I commonly do. I am not someone who generally interrupts a show... I mean, I don't think. <laughs> let's let's just move on and um, discuss what happened last night. After the show, I had my phone on silent. And after the show, I picked up my phone and I had 34 text messages, all from Kat. Mm. And they are all comments that she wanted to make, but just texted me and said. I thought that this might be a better way of dealing with it. I'm sorry I keep yelling. I'm going to text you the things instead. Shut the fuck up, you self-important tool. Oh, yeah, the children should stay in the abandoned building with no food or hope or escape. Oh, thank goodness. Ben is going to make a speech. I wish someone would throw a brick at him. (laughs) Ooh, cue the hopeful music. Oh, you're the sheriff. I see. Last night was a particularly tough episode for me. Me, 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 me. I'm Ben Stone. That's how I It was. It was exactly the sound I was making. Anyway, it goes on and on and on and ends with, oh, good, another Ben speech. So, yeah, welcome to my nightmare. Regardless, Manifest is a good show. Was the texting not better? It was much better. Oh, all right, then. Except you used up my entire data plan. Okay, we don't have a data plan. I guess nobody does anymore, but but I needed a quick, snappy comeback. Did you? Did you? Hmm? Couldn't you just say thank you for being polite and considerate last night during Manifest? And I, do. I do appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. <laughs> Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is professional-grade storytelling. Don't try this at home, kids. 
This is the Box of Oddities. It's May 1992, and a man wakes up and finds himself in a ditch along the Southern California coastline. He doesn't know where he is. All he's got with him is a blue duffel bag. So he makes his way to a gas station near Highway 1, eventually discovering that he's in Big Sur. But when he arrived at the payphone, he knew that the logical thing was to call someone. But it came to him that he didn't know who to call Ooh. because he didn't know who he was. Yeah, that's that's unsettling. He said, then I realized I couldn't phone anybody. That's when I realized I didn't know anybody, including me. Those first few minutes, you're literally nothing and you feel so empty. It's very lonely and painful to be empty. He soon realized he had no recollection of his identity or his origin. So he searched the bag and he found a Boston library card with the name Pierre Abril. There were some clothes in the bag as well and $17. He had nothing else to go on. So he was like, I guess I'm Pierre. Sure. That would be a logical assumption. Right. And he vaguely remembered something about San Diego. So he and his $17 hitchhiked to San Diego thinking, okay, well, once I get there, I'll be in the place, I'll start recognizing stuff, no problem. Maybe it'll jog his memory. Right. He was sure that the city would start bringing things back. He got to San Diego, he saw downtown, and he said, nothing. I looked at the buildings, and they meant nothing, and I walked the streets of the city for a long time. Eventually, a kind bus driver gave him a free ride to St. Vincent de Paul Homeless Shelter. Dr. Julie Becker was a counseling program manager there at the shelter when Pierre walked in. She said, we've had lots of cases of people pretending that they didn't know who they were, but Pierre was very unique. Sometimes in other cases, the residents were after something and you could tell. And this wasn't the case with Pierre at all. He didn't ask for anything. He didn't even ask for help. Believing that Pierre was genuine, those at the shelter knew they needed to help. They hooked him up with some doctors, and they theorized that he was suffering from trauma-induced amnesia. Mm. But after months of physical and psychological examinations, doctors couldn't find any cause for Pierre's memory loss. And after a certain length of time, they noted that it was pretty rare for someone to lose their long-term memory for as long as he had. While at the shelter, Pierre began to search for clues to his past. Several things from his memory did come to him, including that he had knowledge of physics and advanced huh. math. Okay. He was pretty sure he knew how to fly a plane. Wow. He knew stuff about computers and music. But trying too hard to remember, he found to be very painful, literally. He said, if I try to remember something too hard, I get a beautiful headache that I wouldn't want to inflict on my worst enemy. That's but I, fascinating. But I just want to find out what the past is, if I can. So it's like the body is protecting him. His mind is protecting him from something that uh, he doesn't want to remember. Mm. But he also said that if he started to remember something that was painful and he tried to like push it out, he would get that same headache. It was almost as if his brain was saying, hey, now, I'll do this at my pace. Thanks. Interesting. Fragments of his former self began to emerge. 
He found he could type 85 words a minute. And in his duffel bag, there was a neck brace. And it came to him that he believed he had hurt his neck in a hockey-related injury. Okay. Well, that might also explain his memory loss as well. Maybe that complicated things. Potentially. He also found that he was quite musically inclined. He picked up a guitar at one point and within a couple of hours knew how to play guitar. Okay. So he took up busking to make some money on the side. He would leave the shelter during the day, go out and busk on the streets. And he said that in addition to giving him some money, it also gave him some semblance of an identity. Now he was at least a musician. Even if that's all he knew about himself, Pierre at least had something to hold on to. It must be very unsettling to not have an anchor yeah. in your life, to not even know who you are or what you can do or what your talents or experiences mm. are. We really need those things. Yeah. And it's interesting thinking about this situation, how much we rely on our story, like yeah. our our background and our previous events. And sometimes that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. There is only now. That's right, Eckhart. Now... <laughs> Pierre eventually met someone in San Diego and started dating. They eventually got engaged. But after several months, Pierre was featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries arranged for him to consult with a police sketch artist um, because he had some pictures of people in his mind. Two portraits were created of people that may have been significant in Pierre's past. The first was a man whom Pierre believed to be his cousin, and he thought his name was Luke, and he thought he was also called Curly. Okay. He didn't have a bunch of recollection of this guy and their relationship, but he did believe that Luke was a mechanic and that he had once fixed the tour bus for the Preservation Hall jazz band. <laughs> That's incredibly specific. Isn't that Fascinating. What a weird thing to remember when you don't know your name. Right? The second drawing was of a woman whom Pierre believed to have once been his employer, and he thought her name might be Carol. So this Unsolved Mysteries episode aired on September 23rd, 1992, and it worked. Unsolved Mysteries tip line, the telecenter, got a call from a woman named Carol. She claimed that she had once been Pierre's co-worker, and she confirmed his name was Pierre April. Pierre learned that he had two sisters and that his parents lived in Lachine, Canada. So obviously, it is in Unsolved Mysteries' best interest to get this information to Pierre as quickly as possible. Yeah. They did. And the next day, Pierre made contact with his father, who broke the news that he had been missing for over five months. Oh, my God. That must have been such an amazing emotional roller coaster. Absolutely. For both parties, but I'm thinking in terms of the father having five months behind you of not knowing where your kid is. Right. And you're at the point where you're maybe you're starting to lose some hope. Right. And he was on the line. His mom was on the extension. Pierre's father asked Pierre if he knew who his mother was. And when Pierre said no, she burst into tears. Oh. It's got to be, like you said, such a roller coaster because, yay, he's alive, but he does not remember you. Wow. And because Pierre was so unsure and didn't have all these memories, he felt like it was really emotional for him, but 
he had to tell his parents he didn't 100% trust them. Again, that's got to be so hard for them. Mm. So he requested from them some sort of documentation, something to prove that they were who he said they were. Family pictures or something. Exactly. So they put together a packet. And when this package arrived, it included family photos Mm. and his birth certificate. Pierre and his fiance went through it all. And as you can imagine, it was overwhelming seeing yourself in photos that you can't remember having been taken. That must be weird. I'm someone again. And for quite a few months, I was nobody and nothing. Was that from from the Unsolved Mysteries episode? It was. It was from the update. Ooh, I love the update. I love the updates. So after... Pierre reconnected with his family. They started to help him jog his memory. Uh, More and more photos helped him get more memories. The more memories he had, it kind of snowballed. And when he reunited with his family, it was like this burst of information that he was like, oh, this and that. Wow. Eventually, he got all of his memory back. Now, this might be an unfair question to ask you because it involves uh, on-the-fly math. Um, but, and and I couldn't possibly do it, Mm -hmm. but how long was he in San Diego before they connected him with his family? Cause I'm wondering how long he was wandering around, not knowing what he was doing. Almost the entire time because it was, um, not terribly long between the time that they filmed the unsolved mysteries and they aired it. And it was the day after they aired it, that he was able to connect with his family. Okay. Wow. That's terrifying to think that, you know, for almost five months, you have no memories of what you did or Mm. what you said or who you did. And the memories that you do have are so weird and not helpful. The Preservation Hall Jazz Band? Mm -hmm. What? Don't need that info. Even though Pierre did get all of his memories back, we may never know what caused the amnesia. Doctors still don't know, uh, but he made a full recovery back with his family in Canada. That's simply amazing. Isn't it? I love a happy ending. Me too. I got my information from unsolved.com, unsolved mysteries, fandom, and all that's interesting.com. Hey, is that new t-shirt design? Up on our uh, merch store yet. The idea that I had while we were wandering around Universal Studios and I saw somebody wearing a Friends t-shirt and I said, hey, uh, maybe you could make... Oh, no, I've been very sick. Oh, okay. All right. Well, coming up very soon in our merch store will be a... uh, a parody of the Friends logo that says Freaks. Yeah. But don't you, don't you don't have to wait till that is available to check out the merch store. You can do it anytime you like. That's true. You can find the link on our website, theboxofoddities.com. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. 
theboxofoddities.com. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.